What's up, pals? You're tuned in episode 11 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete Mbessie, joined by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown, and the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Barley. How are we doing this week, guys? Pretty good, pretty good. Good, good. High off Spider-Man still. Yeah, man, me too, me too. If you want to hear our thoughts about Spider-Man, you can actually go check out this week's episode of The Comics Pals. Oh, look at the synergy. Yeah, you can't beat that brand synergy. Um, So yeah, go check out our review. Um, So as you guys can see, Thompson is again not with us this week. He is still on vacation, uh, enjoying himself and resting up. So he will be back with us next week when he's back in our home state of New Jersey. So we're going to kick the show off the way we do every week by talking about what we're playing this week. Um, So Sean, why don't you start? Sure. Uh, I don't have a lot of new things to talk about. Actually, I don't have anything new to talk about because it's mostly been uh, the same old stuff. World of Warcraft, killing mythic bosses still. Very happy with that. Our progression has been very smooth. Um, playing heroes when I can. Uh, I did play some some uh, Maximum Carnage from the Sega Genesis this week and in honor of the release of Spider-Man Homecoming. Trying to get your Spider-Man fix. Yeah. I've also been reading the comic book of the same name, um, so I've I've been on that on that lately. Uh, but other than that, it's been the same usual. Cool, cool. What about you, Andy? Yeah, not too much to report on my end either. A lot of PUBG, a little bit of League, getting back on that Summoner's Rift game. The game of games. We don't have Thompson here to talk shit about it. Yeah, it's true. So we can this this is a League is Good podcast now. <laughs> I got a bunch of shit from a Humble Bundle this week that I'm checking out. Um, so I started playing Armello, which a uh, friend of the show slash old school slack and slasher Ozzy had recommended before. It's like a little fantasy board game, but as a video game. So the king's gone, been corrupted by dark magic or something, and... You have to basically position your clan to become the new king by, like, going on quests and fighting other heroes and maybe eventually killing the king. Or just, like, being the most prestigious when the king dies of natural causes because he has no heir or something. It's fun. It's got, like, a bunch of cute little animals and shit. I'm about it. Yeah, I fooled around with it um, once or twice with Ozzy and, like, it, it, uh, it reminded me of, like, a very, like, kind of, like, light version of Civ. In that way of like, oh, there's a bunch of different ways to ascend to the throne and take the board. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. I want to like play it with actual people though. Yeah, that would be really fun. Yeah. Maybe we do a let's play or something. So how about you, Petey Pop? Um, I've actually had a pretty big week for games. Um, still, still jamming on that ranked arms life. Um, I've gotten up to rank five. I'm like just about to break into the the sixth tier, but I keep like getting unfavorable matchups and kind of getting getting the beat down from players that are like one or two levels ahead of me. So I'm probably right about where I should be in the tree right now. But um, apparently it goes all the way up to fifteen. I'd like to at least get into ten, um, just to like get into that high level play. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Like, I don't know if I necessarily have the chops to get that far or like if I'll get frustrated and quit, but I'm still having fun and playing and getting better. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I I hope that I don't get too distracted when like Splatoon and other things come out and try to pull my attention away from it. But I definitely see myself playing this game for at least a few more weeks, I would say minimum cool cool glad you're enjoying it. It's definitely been really fun to do a lot of local. I like got the chance to do some local uh, play with it this week and like had you know like uh two, between two and four other people with me playing so it was like either passing the controller around or like getting to do some of the like uh four player split screen which is like hectic and super crazy oh god i played like two games of arms with you and that just sounds awful it was insane <laughs> like it's very very crazy but it's got that you know that classic nintendo like hectic, like, everybody's freaking out kind of flair to it, you know? Um, so it it's fun. Uh, I'm definitely enjoying it, and I definitely see myself playing a good bit more of it. Cool. Um, and then I also picked up the Crash Insanity Collection, oh, nice. which is the, yeah, the recreation of the original three Crash Bandicoot games. Um, I've been playing Crash 1 and 2. I'm, like, trying to get through them in order, but every time I get frustrated by, like, poor level design in the original, I'm ju- jumping over to Crash 2, because I still want to keep playing Crash, but I, like, every once in a while, I hit a super, like, there's a few levels in that game that are super long and super difficult, 
And if you don't have a ton of lives going into it, like, you'll just keep getting game overed. Um, especially because there's this weird little nuance to it that, um, the new engine that they recreated the game in has, like, a slight, like, slide. So it's made aspects of the platforming easier, but also more difficult in certain angles. So I've, like, found myself, like, sliding off edges and, like, you know, um, on, like, a level where, oh, I've got, like, one life left and I'm right near the end, but I keep dying at this same spot, you know? And, like, I have to beat the original 75% of the level, which is already difficult, and then, you know, do the same thing over and over again. Um, but it's been awesome. It's, like, it's been a super nostalgic kind of, like, walk back for me. It's, like, Crash Bandicoot was my first uh, console game I ever owned. So it's been really cool to get to go back and, and play these games and remember all these levels that I spent so much time with as a kid. Cool. Yeah, I got to pick that up. I, I really miss playing Crash, and uh, I've heard really good things about the new one, or, well, the remake, so. Yeah, I mean, for 40 bucks, it's an insane deal. You know, you're getting a ton of games there. An insane deal? <laughs> that pun was not intentional, but appreciated. Get the fuck out, both of you. This is my podcast now. <laughs> hey, I didn't say it. He he said it. You made it real. <laughs> all right, I'll go. You made it a pun. <laughs> yeah. You're hey, all listen. fired. <laughs> As a Spider fan, I am 100% pro puns. <laughs> uh, but then beyond that, I just kind of got into the um, regular multiplayer suite. You know, I was doing some Pokemon, getting back in that on the uh, the Pokemon Showdown ladder, and doing some. Um, uh, VGC 2017 stuff. I gotta, like, switch up my team because, like, the meta is really starting to expand a little bit and you're seeing a lot more, like, wonky strategies. So my, like, weird Hail Mary team works, but my, like, regular, like, meta is supposed to be good team is definitely starting to struggle. Um, so I'm, like, trying to get back into that a little bit, but it's just been something I've been kind of doing, like, more casually while I'm, like, editing podcasts and stuff more so than anything. Um, so I'm not, like, too serious about it. I've just been kind of doing it for fun. And then, uh, like Andy, I've been getting back into League again. I haven't really played Heroes in a couple weeks, and I've been, you know, playing League by myself, mostly. Um, just as kind of, like, an end-of-the-night unwind thing. I want to keep gaming, but don't feel like doing anything else. (laughs) And, uh, that's pretty much been it for me. So that's going to wrap up what we're playing for this week. Uh, but before we jump into the rest of the show, let me tell you where you can connect with the Video Game Pals on social media. Follow our sister show, at the Comics Pals on Twitter and Instagram, or send us your thoughts and questions to thecomicspals at gmail.com, and we'll read them on the air. So if you're an audio listener, we would greatly appreciate it if you bounce over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating where we are currently a five-star rated podcast. We're trying to break that five-star rating, become a six-star rated podcast, so help us get there. Uh, If you're listening over on YouTube, you can uh, do us a favor and like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. You can get a bunch of exclusive content over on YouTube if you're not checking it out. Uh, We've got some interviews from Wizard World 2017 finishing coming up this week and a couple uh, secrets coming out in the weeks to come. So you want to go get subbed there so you can get alerts to them as they come out. And as always, the most important thing you can do to help the show is share it with your pals so they can become our pals too. Alright, with all that out of the way, before we jump into the news, it's time for the random question of the week! Andy. Alright. You got one so, this week, right? Yeah, I got the random question of the week. Um, so, in this hypothetical random question of the week, I'm a mildly malicious genie who is sentencing you to live in one video game world for the rest of your life. What video game <laughs> setting do you live in? Do you live in the world of Warcraft? Do you go to Hyrule? Do you live in the Mushroom Kingdom? You're still you, but, like, you fit in. So, you know, Pete, you're already Italian, so you'll be fine. You'll just grow a mustache and, like, either become really tall or, like, short and chubby. <laughs> Sean, you'll get some armor and stuff. You go live in WoW. So you mean, like, we would have appropriate powers? Yeah. Okay. So, so we're right. not civilians. We're not like you're not civilians. Yeah, okay. you'd be like a character in this game because that definitely matters. Ooh, can I ask this on both sides then? Yeah, I think that's good. Like, what what if you are a civilian, and then what if you can like get whatever powers? Yeah. Okay. Um, if I if I can be a hero, then I want to live in um the world of Warcraft. Um, of course. And then if I'm just a regular person, I definitely do not want to live in the world of Warcraft. Uh, <laughs> gosh. I don't know. Video game worlds are pretty awful, so I'm not sure where I'd want to live. 
Is Hyrule safe? Like, I feel like it's not safe. Not really. Yeah. Like, you know, like if you like think about like um in uh Ocarina of Time, right? Like Ganon takes over Hyrule and just straight up like everyone gets killed. Yeah, that's not good. It's like you're just gonna like one day be living your normal little like farm town life or whatever, living in the king's court, and then you just get cut down. Yeah, I'm not down for that. I feel like no matter where you live, it's death. So you know what? I'll just live in the world of Warcraft because at least if I live in Stormwind, if I'm gonna die, I'll probably die to like a big dragon, like flying over and burning me up. And that's kind of cool. So yeah, <laughs> Warcraft for both. Yeah, and you could probably get a job somewhere where you're, like, statistically going to be safe from dragon attacks, you know? Well, yeah, but then the crops <laughs> could get poisoned and I could be turned into a zombie, like in Warcraft 3. That's true. So, That's true. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's risks no matter what, but... I've never played Warcraft, but I've played a couple MMOs, and I feel like your safest bet as a civilian is to, like, live on Tutorial Island and just be like, there's rats in Ooh, my basement, go call. kill five of them. That's a really good call. Yeah, you just, like, work at the initial inn where everybody spawns or whatever, and it's like, yeah, no one's going to get killed here. Well, yeah, unless you consider the fact that you could get ganked by high-level players. <laughs> One day, yeah, the horde just yeah. rolls through and murders everyone. For no reason. So, yeah, I mean, I'll probably end up dead really quickly, but I'll be in Warcraft as a civilian as well. Uh, for me, my answer for both is is Pokemon because it's the one like game I can think of where being a normal person is like fine because oh, yeah. like it's not about that and like the skills I have as a Pokemon trainer in the real world like except for like the math and stats aspect of things like unless those apply right like if those rules are real in that world like all of my skills as a Pokemon trainer would apply for the most part you know like I would know what Pokemon are the best, and how to, like, bring out the best in them. So I could probably, like, rise to prominence, at least as, like, a mid-level Pokemon trainer in that world. Word. And, like, be rich and rich and famous or whatever, you know? Is there money to be made as a Pokemon pro in that world? Oh, yeah. Like, think about it. Like, their entire economy is based around Pokemon battling, you know? Like, everybody, like, you get paid for battling. And, yeah, like, there are a bunch of, like, industries built around... Pokemon trainers too, you know, like Marts and, you know, like the contests and all the other stuff, like pretty much everything revolves around Pokemon trainers and Pokemon battling. So if you're like a top tier trainer, like you've got some fucking money, you know? Yeah. Like Lance gets around and like is rich enough that it's acceptable for him to just wear a cape everywhere. <laughs> That's true. Right. Like also not to mention the fact that like you would get to like travel the world you know, and, like, see a bunch of stuff and battle atomic monsters. Sounds pretty cool. Hard mode. Which region? Ooh, shit. I don't want to be, like, a Gen 1-er, but I gotta go Kanto because I gotta start with my boy Squirtle. Mmm. I don't want to say you're wrong, but it's Johto and Squirtle's trash. You're trash, and I hate you. You can't talk about Squirtle like that, dude. Exactly. You're outnumbered. Dude, play me in in Smash Brothers Brawl, and I will beat you with Squirtle. And I will make you feel bad for losing to Squirtle. <laughs> Squirtle Squad. Squirtle Squad. All right. Uh, so for me, um, if I'm going to be a character in a game, I definitely want to be like one of the party members in persona and just like go to high school but also come out and like go into this fantasy world <laughs> uh, you would do that you had to know weeb. you had to know he literally just asked this question so you would have an excuse to talk about persona again no <laughs> i asked this question thinking about what was the civilian answer and my civilian answer is mass effect because like yeah there's a war but like most of that setting seems, like, pretty good. I want to see space. Like, if I could live on the Citadel and just be, like, an old man who dies when, uh, Saren attacks at the end of the first game, I'd be okay with that. I would have had a good life. Yeah. That's fair. I was gonna say, what about, like, when the Reapers come and annihilate, like, all life, and it's like, oh, wait, you're already... Yeah, if you die before the ma first Mass Effect even starts, yeah, that'd be alright. Yeah, if I could, like, live out my whole life, like, Shepard's parents' age... See that shit? Yeah, right. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right. 
That'd be cool. That's solid. All right, so with that wrapped up, I guess that means it's time for... The news! The news! We talking about the news! The news! The news! We talking about the news! All right, so we've got six news items on the list this week. Uh, big batch of Nintendo news to start us off. The first of which being that Armed is getting its first piece of free DLC this week. So uh, Nintendo of Europe has confirmed that uh, a new character, Max Brass, would be coming via a free update on Wednesday, July 12th, after the character had already been announced at E3 earlier, uh, like last month. So Brass is the original final boss in ARMS single-player Grand Prix mode, uh, Grand Prix mode, excuse me, uh, until you bump up the character difficulty to four or higher, um, but until now was the only, like, non-crazy broken boss character that was unplayable. Um, so his DLC pack is also going to include the character stage from the uh, story mode, and then it's also going to have a new set of arms for player to players to use. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is his, like, ability set is very, very strange. Um, it seems like he kind of, like, pulls a bunch of abilities from other characters. So he's got this, like, flex mode that when he charges up, he flexes and he changes his size, which gives him, like, heavy armor like the larger characters like Master Mummy and Mechanica. But then he also has, during his flex, that both of his arms... Uh, permanently change until he's knocked down or hit with a special, um, which is similar to Min Min's ability, but that only applies to her left arm. Uh, and then it also seems that he has a thing that's like Springman, which is when he falls below a certain level of health that the ability activates permanently. So it's like, he seems like pretty OP with the only real like drawback being that he has an increased hitbox because he's bigger. Um, but it's cool. Like, I'm excited to be getting new content so soon after the game came out and that all the DLC for ARMS is going to be free. Because I think a lot of people were kind of complaining that the game seemed like content light. And I think I, I myself said last week that there's just not a ton to do in single player. So like having a steady stream of new characters is and new stages and stuff is definitely a good way to keep people engaged, I think. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can't comment on what seems OP in ARMS because I played two games of it and it was bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is definitely like kind of just a little news bump because... I don't hear a lot of people talking about ARMS, and I, anything I can do to keep it in the conversation I want to do, because I'm definitely super obsessed with it right now. Um, but another little piece of uh, information we got from Nintendo about DLC is that um, apparently players who are hoping to play as Zelda in the second piece of DLC for Breath of the Wild are going to be disappointed, because we saw um, a clip with the context given that we would be playing again as Link. So um, the... Clip came from a Zelda, ma Zelda masterclass that was held at Japan Expo with a quote. Oh, bless you. <laughs> uh, with a quip, uh, the quote saying, uh, Mr. Numa has confirmed that you'll play as Link in the Champions Ballad, but we will learn more about Zelda along the way. Um, so this is like kind of coming as a disappointment to a lot of people who were thinking from the E3 announcement and the way that it was talked about that we were going to be playing as someone other than Link in the DLC, which a bunch of people assumed meant we were going to get to play as Zelda because there seemed to be a lot more you know story to what was going on with her that we didn't really get in the uh, the main game. Um, the clip that we got shows very little, but it shows Zelda traveling with a group like maybe the Guardians and uh, meeting a group of um, uh, not Sheikah or are they Sheikah the um, the warrior women, what are they called? Uh, Gerudo. Gerudo, yeah, yeah. Meeting up with uh, a group of Gerudo at, like, some sort of altar. Um, so, Andy, what do you think about this? Like, are you excited for this story DLC? Does it disappoint you that you're going to have to play more as Link, or...? Like, I don't care that I'm going to have to play more as Link. I kind of expected that. Yeah, me too. Um, and, like, I get that people are bummed who wanted to play as Zelda, because I would have wanted to play as Zelda, too. But, like... I think it's cool. The story DLC is the reason I bought the season pass because, like, I played a little bit of like the trial of the Master Sword and the uh, the Master Mode's really hard, and that's cool. But it's not like the first DLC pack isn't anything to write home about. Yeah, it's like great if you're super obsessed with that game and you want to play through it again on like increased difficulty. But yeah, I don't think it's very surprising. I like it. I'm like, I'm really hype on this DLC. I think it's going to be very good. If it's half as good as the main game then like it's an all-time great dlc i think yeah i mean i'm always down for like a good piece of meaty story dlc like i feel like we don't really get those very much anymore and those are the kinds of dlc i really like you know something that expands on the story and like gives you an excuse to go back to a game that you might have moved on from oh for sure yeah because like you know a new like hard mode or challenges or whatever is like not necessarily something that's going to bring me back to a game i've stopped playing but if it's a game I'm already actively engaged in, like, I can 
excuse me, I can see why that would be valuable. Yeah. But either way, um, I'm, I'm, I'm hype on this. You know, I'm definitely glad to have a reason to go back to Zelda. Like, I'm probably going to be finishing up the main game right about the time this comes out, so it'll be perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so item number three on the list is our last bit of Nintendo news, but it's a big one. Uh, so we got a Nintendo Direct all about Splatoon 2, which talked a lot about the new content coming to Splatoon. Coming to Platoon, <laughs> coming to Splatoon two, and uh, talking about kind of what things from the original game would be like making their return and how they'd been tweaked. So specifically, uh, they kicked it off by telling us that like turf war and ranked modes would be returning. Basically, the like uh, Inkopolis like kind of home like world or whatever is making a return in a, basically the same way with just a bunch of new features. Uh, so characters are now fully customizable, including their hair, eyes, clothes, uh, which is called gear. And um, they showed off, like, all the shops where you can buy different kinds of gear. Like, it seems like there's a ton of fucking options. You can really, like, have a, a huge amount of customization on, like, your character's style and what they look like. Uh, and then gear um, gives abilities that range from, like, things like providing true sight, like something like what Widowmaker does in Overwatch, uh, to decreasing or increasing respawn times for you or your opponents. Um, you can add a remove ability from gear by uh, at a certain shop so that you can have whatever outfit you want with the loadout that you're looking for. So if you find that there's like a very specific ability that you like, but there's like, you know, a specific outfit that you want to use that doesn't have it, you can kind of switch them around and mix and match as long as you play enough games to like earn the in-game currency. Uh, so then talking about weapons, um, they now come in sets of three, which is pretty interesting. So you have like a main weapon, which is like, you know... Um, either like your set of pistols or your shotgun or your roller or whatever. And then um, a bunch of the returning weapons have new functionality that'll allow for like new kind of maneuvers. Like some of them are like dodge rolls or something like that, like increased mobility. Um, and then you're going to get a sub weapon as well, which in addition to like spreading ink and attacking like a main weapon also like offers defense and reconnaissance abilities. So, like, um, one of the examples they showed was something called an autobomb, which was kind of like a little, like, bomb chew drone that you put on the ground and it sought out another player and then exploded. Oh, that's cool. And then um, there's a new uh, weapon type called special weapons, which um, are, like, all new, a whole new weapon class, basically. And um, you gain a special meter by spreading more ink and, like, gaining more control of the map. And... Uh, some of them are, like, just straight-up offensive weapons, like a missile launcher or, like, um, a gun that can, like, shoot through walls or, like, you know, a bomb launcher or something like that. And then some are, like, more utility-based. Like, you can get, like, a jetpack that allows you to fly around and, and shoot people from the air or, um, like, an armor boost for your whole team, something like that. Uh, and then they talked more about um, the different game modes and kind of showed off all the new stages. It looks like there's, like, twice as many maps as there was to the original game. Uh, then they talked about ranked, which has uh, three modes. Which this is this is a little weird, but it's interesting. So in ranked, there are three modes that rotate every two hours. So depending on when you're playing, is what game mode is like active at that time. So there's splat zones, which is like a king of the hill kind of thing, where it's just like you know the standard kind of like control point with the map. Um, tower control, which is like a payload meets a control point thing. So there's a control point that you have to control, and once you're team controls it it gets up and starts to move towards their base but every time it moves to like what would be um you know how in overwatch like there's the payload and you get to the checkpoints and that extends the clock yeah instead of that every time you get to a control point it starts another fight for the thing okay so it's not just like you can control it or whatever and you just keep that momentum going it stops and you have to do a whole new like fight for it uh, and then there's another thing called Rainmaker, which is basically just capture the flag, but the flag is a big-ass gun that you can use to fire, um, like a ton of paint or ink, you know? Um, so each mode has its own rank. So, like, if there's one mode that you're not particularly good at, you're not going to be, like, ranked with people who are great at it just because you're an A-rank player in the other modes, which is interesting. I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that, but I think it's kind of cool to, you know, not necessarily punish you for not being as good at certain modes and like allowing you to train your way up uh and then um there's league battle which is uh allows you to play ranked like in either doubles with a friend or in teams of four and um th this is super weird so these ranked modes they play out as games over a two hour period or until the rank mode changes so like i said every two hours it changes 
So basically every time you get into a league battle, you're kind of starting a new like ranked run. And your score is based on how many wins and losses you take during that two-hour period or until the thing changes. That's super so, weird. It's so weird. Um, but good runs reward your team with medals to commemorate your runs. So you get like a basically like a thing of medals that show like, oh, I played with Andy and Sean and Thompson and we played for two hours and ran train and like here was our, our score. So it seems like that is kind of like very similar to like the league ranked thing where like team rank is like really not as important as like your main rank it's just like kind of a fun thing side thing to do i guess if you want to play with friends um but it like you know keeps you in those same game modes with that same rotation so it's like a little i guess more serious than like just random play with friends um and then they introduced a brand new uh like pve boss fight mode which looks really cool it's called salmon run um so it's only playable at certain times again like it's like a timed kind of like you know, um, I guess, like, similar to the way that, like, League or, or Overwatch does, like, special event modes that are only available sometimes. And uh, it's you or you and a team, it looks like, from what I saw in the trailer. They didn't say specifically. But you're playing against a variety of, like, these different salmon enemy bosses. And um, special rewards are given, including, like, salmon run exclusive items that you can only get from playing that mode uh, are unlocked for playing. And that's pretty much the whole thing. Just, like, you know, you're taking on these big, massive bosses. Um, and then we learned about local co-op. It does require multiple switches. You can't do, like, split-screen, um, which I guess makes sense because the game runs at, like, 60 FPS and is pretty crazy. Um, but they did say you can either do wireless play or, like, LAN connections. I guess this is for, like, tournaments if you want it, like, serious with, like, no frame drops or whatever. Um, they talked a little bit about single player. It looks pretty much just, like, more of the same fighting against the Octarians. There's going to be some new lore. They talked about Amiibo support. Um, I'm not sure if this is how it worked in the original game, but I thought this was pretty cool. You can save, like, your whole character settings, like, your loadout, you know, your, what you look like, all your gear and everything to your Amiibo. So whenever you go to, like, your homie's house or whatever, you can drop it on their Switch and immediately have access to your character. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then there's, uh, another, uh, second wave of Amiibos coming, which are just kind of just character variants on the same thing we saw. Uh, Inkling Boy, Inkling Girl, and a Squid. And then they promised, um... More weapons, gear, stages uh, for around a year, and then said that there would be Splatfest support for, like, up to two years. So in case you don't know, Splatfest was, like, the big event thing that they were doing where they would, like, time battles. Like, like the one that they're doing right now, right? They're going to do one on July 15th, uh, 6 to 10 p.m. EST, which is where we live. And um, the first one's going to be cake or ice cream. So you have to decide, are you a cake team cake or team ice cream and then you fight in support of that and if your team wins you get um splatfest exclusive gear like you'll get some cake swag that you got for being on the winning team so they've like in the past they've done stuff like pokemon blue versus pokemon red hot dogs versus hamburgers like all kinds of shit like that so it's like a pretty cool little thing so that's going to be your last chance to play the game before it comes out july 15th so you can go check that out um i know that was a ton to unpack but andy i know you're just interested in splatoon 2 how do you feel about this stuff Having never in my life played Splatoon 1, um, I don't know how to feel about, like, all the gameplay stuff, but the everything being weird time-specific modes seems a little odd to me. Um, just the idea that, like, you know, your rank as a team isn't determined by wins and losses, but instead wins and losses in a two-hour run. I think it speaks to, like, their antiquated online stuff. You know, they don't have the ability for you to, like, make a ranked team and just play with that team and have a score. Yeah, I think you're right on that one. But, like, I like I like the gear that gives, like, weird functionality. Yeah, I think that sounds like a really inventive addition to the game. Because the thing that I took away from this that I thought was really cool was... Like, I played a very, very little bit of the original Splatoon, and I liked it a lot, but it definitely felt like I couldn't play exactly the way I wanted to. You know, like, I felt like there was a lot of uniformity, and, like, there wasn't a ton of customization among your character, and it seems like with all this gear, not only on, like, a, a cosmetic sense, you have a ton of control over how your character plays. Like, do you want to use more defensive weapons? Do you want to take more defensive... Um, skills or whatever or do you want to like go for full on offense and you know go for like a more hyper aggressive kind of stance or do you want to like play a more supportive role to your team and try to like set up defensive items and give your team boosts and stuff like that it seems like there's a lot more room for innovation within that meta oh for sure yeah i'm like 
I'm really interested in this game. Um, this all, like, intrigues me, I think is the best way to say it. I'm not seeing anything that's making me be like, I gotta go buy this game tomorrow. But I'm also not seeing anything that's gonna put me off. It's just most of this makes me say, huh. Yeah, dude, I mean, like, I was pretty much gonna get this game either way. Yeah, probably. And it just seems like, it seems like all the new things they're doing seem like good, meaningful innovation from what they did in the first game. Cool. I'm glad to hear you saying that. Uh, I'm excited to play it. Comes out, what, like two weeks? Yeah, we're like coming up on it really soon. I mean, the the Splat uh, Splatfest event, I think, is like the week before it comes out. So I, I got to think it's like the last week of July. So we're yeah, we're coming up on it really quick. Cool. Will you will you commit to getting it day one with me so we can like do duos and stuff? If I can afford it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Same here then. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll tune back in on that one when we get it. But uh, looks like it's gonna be a good time. I'm really excited for it. Work. Sean, will you join our Splatoon team when you inevitably get a Nintendo Switch? No. Um, this actually sounds really <laughs> awful. The fact that you can't control what uh, what mode you're playing in when you're playing ranked is incredibly dumb. Uh, and if you if you don't have the time to play other than two hours a day online and you keep getting into the same rank mode, that's annoying. Or if you don't get into the one that you want to play in, that's annoying. And it's just another one of those instances of Nintendo just being way, way behind the curve in terms of what is acceptable in online play now. And that alone is reason enough for me to never play this game. Because if I actually like it and want to play it online, then I have to go through hoops to actually play it in the way that I want to. And that's just not the way that online gaming works in 2017. Yeah, it seems weird to me that they're not just putting it on, like, a regular rotation like any other online game, you know? Like, where you... Because, like, to be fair, like, you don't get to pick what game mode you play in, like, most games. I mean, like, there are plenty of games where you do get to pick, like, specifically one mode. But in, like, Overwatch, for example, right? Like, when you play just quick play in Overwatch, like, you might play capture the point or you might play payload or you might play whatever on whatever map yeah so like i i I don't feel like them not letting you pick whichever mode you want at whatever point is necessarily a problem but the fact that like you have to be in this two hour window and if you like to your point right like if you only have like an hour to play and you really don't like one of these game modes and that's the one that's live right then like you're fucked yeah, and I mean, like, Overwatch may be that way, but Call of Duty's not. Halo's not. Like, there's a lot of games that aren't like that. And there's no there's no reason why it has to be that way. And then you add on the fact that you have to be stuck for two hours doing the same thing, whether you like it or not. Then you're just going to, you're going to log off. I mean, I'm sure the game is fun and stuff like that, but if you, if you our serious player, that's not the kind of thing that's going to make you want to play. Uh, if there's certain modes that you really excel at or really want to get better at or whatever, you should have the option of choosing or at least not being stuck for forever in the same mode, especially if your time is limited. And a lot of people's time is limited. So that's just a really weird thing. Yeah, it, it, it's a weird choice and it's something that I could easily see them changing because I think the community will probably complain about that. And it's like not a thing that they, and ha- like you said, it doesn't have to be that way. That's not like an inherent design flaw. That's just like a weird choice, you know? Yeah. Um, I will say though, I'm fine with the, the salmon run thing being timed. I think it's actually a really good idea because I think like we've seen how impermanent game modes that are not the main way to play in online games like like Overwatch or League or even Heroes now experimented with that all random mode, you know? Um I think those are like fun. Like there's a good it's a good to have timed things that pop up every once in a while and give people an incentive to come back and do the event and get the exclusive gear or whatever. Cause not everyone's gonna play the game every single day. But I think there is that incentive of like, oh there's an event right now, yeah I'll pop in. Yeah, that's totally fun. And uh, the Splatfest, same deal. So it's like, it sucks that they have all these things that are these, like, timed events. I think you're right that, like, ranked should probably just be a static experience. Or a more static experience. But yeah, so the the next bit of news is something that I think Sean will be excited about. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. So, 
Blizzard may have leaked the location of the next World of Warcraft expansion via some data mining on uh, patch 7.3. So Steven Messner over at PC Gamer uh, reports that 7.3 uh, seems to be indicating that players will be traveling to Argus, which is the Eridar homeworld and the headquarters of the Burning Legion, uh, specifically sending players to Cool Tyras to fight the Old Gods. Did I, did I pronounce that right, Sean? Culturus. Cool, Tiras. Okay. So, uh, like I said, players data mined the public test uh, region version of patch 7.3 to find some interesting little tidbits pointing to this, uh, this next location. So there's a particularly interesting set of armor that wowhead.com author um, Perculia, that's like her username, I don't really know. I think it's Perculia, explains, uh, quote, this set is named after the maritime nation led by a Lord Admiral Dalen Proudmore in the Second War. It's since been mysteriously silent after the Third War. There are eight icons in the database for Cool Tiras quest armor. These icons follow all the naming scheme of... Uh, it's Inv underscore Boots underscore Cloth underscore score Kultiras Quest underscore B underscore O1, which is very similar to the naming scheme of icons used for the quest gear in the previous expansions. So this is the first time that Kultiras has been mentioned since WoW's Cataclysm event, um, or expansion, I guess, uh, which was like kind of the like world-ending thing that like fucked up a bunch of the main land masses, and this specific island was like sent drifting off the coast of uh, Loridian or Lordarian, Lordaeron, uh, into the sea, and it hasn't been heard heard from since. So uh, another quote from 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 Perculia, Jesus, excuse me, says. Quote, zooming in on the side of the armor on the skirt, we can clearly see a map to a new zone with some tentacle decorations underneath. So uh, if you want to follow the link in the description below, you can check out the screenshots for yourself. Uh, but if we look more closely, you can kind of see the map on the armor seems to map up to the, the map of Kultiras from the original WoW game manual. So there's a lot of like visual cues seeming to, to point to this. Um, Messner's article has a bunch more like little kind of like deep lore things showing to like back up the theory that seem to support this if you want to go check it out for yourself in the description down below with the rest of the links to our news items but i wanted to kick this one over to sean so what do you think about this um do you think this like speculation seems seems valid are you excited to be going to this region like what do you think this means for for wow moving forward so everyone who everyone who plays wow and is interested in lore and stuff has speculated for quite some time that the next the next expansion would deal with uh, the old gods and Queen Ajara. Uh, the old gods are basically these these uh, Lovecraftian inspired um, forces that basically want to end. They want to end everything. They want to end all life. And um, I identify with that on like a <laughs> spiritual level. <laughs> so does Thompson. I'm sure. Yes. Uh, there's one left that we haven't encountered, which is Nazoth, and a lot of the in-game uh, teases and, and dialogue has um, pointed in that direction for quite some time, that we would have to deal with him. And this expansion, in particular Legion, has dealt with the Burning Legion, and we've kind of smacked them down. We're going to Argus now to put the final nail in the coffin, as it were, but when we come back, we're likely to have to deal with is off. That makes perfect sense. And so, if Kaltiris is where we're going next, uh, that's that's um, completely logical and completely in line with where the story has been going. Blizzard has done a great job of trying to make the story more streamlined and kind of um, have a narrative path that makes sense, whereas prior expansions um, haven't had a through line. So, before Warlords, things just kind of happened in WoW. There was no lead up necessarily and now there's a there's a clear narrative so this is this is perfectly in line with what they've been doing and i'm very very excited i've been wanting to fight queen ajara for over 10 years so it's about damn time <laughs> all right well sean will keep you updated on the the progress of his guild whooping ass over there so sounds like a good time yeah likely to be a while before we do see this because legion is still going and We've still got 7-3. We probably won't even hear anything about this new expansion for a year um, before it's even released. We won't even hear a word about it for a year. Uh, so it's going to be some time, but I'm definitely excited about this. 
Yeah, definitely something little, little nice little tidbits to tide you over in the meantime. Sure. Though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. We'll we'll keep we'll keep you guys up to date on that one. See if uh, any more information comes out about it. But that's probably going to be all quiet on the Western Front for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right, so we got another little piece of uh, Blizzard news, and by little I mean the long rumored twenty fifth hero Doomfist has finally come to Overwatch's PTR servers. Yeah. So yeah, this is really exciting, man. I mean, Doomfist is uh, you know he's been kind of like teased since like, the very, very beginning of Overwatch, since before Overwatch was even out, he was in, like, the original trailer, we saw, like, you know, his, uh, weapons in the, uh, museum, we've seen, like, all kinds of stuff about him, but, um, so, he's finally come to the PTR servers, meaning he'll probably be in the main game in a couple weeks, you know, so, and you can go download the PTR servers if you want and check them out, but if not, uh, you shouldn't have to wait too long for him if you're, like, playing on console or whatever, but, um, like I said, he's an offense character. He uses uh, a hand cannon gauntlet that, like, knocks people down. Um, Blizzard wrote in a press release, quote, in addition to dealing range damage with his hand cannon, Doomfist can slam the ground, knock enemies into the air and off balance, or charge into the fray with his rocket punch. When facing a tightly packed group, Doomfist le- Doomfist leap. I am Doomfist! <laughs> <laughs> I am the Doomfist! Uh, yeah, and he crashes down to earth with this spectacular meteor strike. So it sounds like he borrows a lot from, um, Reinhardt, you know, with, like, his charge, but he's also got some range. He's got, like, a knockdown that keeps people pinned. He can knock people up, which sounds like he'd be really cool for, like, alley-ooping people up into, like, a Pharah attack or something. I don't know. He sounds really cool. And from what I've seen, he looks neat. Have you, like, watched any of the, um, the, like, walkthrough of his kit? Uh, yeah, I watched the uh, the thing that uh, Jeff Kaplan did on YouTube, the director spotlight or whatever, and like I linked to that down below if you guys want to go check oh, that cool. out for yourself. And then I saw some PTR play with him. His passive is freaking ridiculous. Anytime he hits someone with like one of his punch abilities, his fist or his giant uppercut, or I think he's got three different kinds of punches, and those all give him like a shield on his person. So he's like a 250 health offense hero, like most of them, but he can like heal his way up to basically being a tank hero with shields. That's so cool. Like, it sounds like he borrows like a lot of really interesting mechanics from a few characters. Like, that's like a lot like, um, like kind of like the way that, um, what's her name? Zarya's. Yeah, like, like her shield bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but on an offense character. And his, his ult is really cool. He, like, jumps up and, like, pushes people back in a huge area so you land on the point and all of a sudden there's nobody pushing the payload. Honestly, the only thing that, like, is a bummer for me, like, I'm so excited he's finally coming, but Terry Crews is unfortunately not voicing him. <laughs> I understand that, you know, you don't want Terry Crews sort of taking you out of the experience in the way that nobody else is a super recognizable voice actor. Yeah, but, like, it would have been awesome. It would have been awesome. And I'm holding out hope here because um, Akande Ogundimu? Yeah, Ogundimu. um, Is the third Doomfist in the lore. Oh, I didn't know that. It's like, yeah, three different dudes have had the Doomfist gauntlet. I, I had no idea. That's really cool. Yeah. So, hypothetically... Terry Crews could be, like, the first Doomfist and just show up in a short somewhere, and I'd be fine with it. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'd be cool with that. Um, but yeah, speaking of the lore aspect of it, like Andy said, um, Doomfist's real name is Akande uh, Ugandimu, and um, he's, like, a pretty major player in the Overwatch lore. Uh, he was, like, the leader of um, the evil sect that um, Reaper and Widowmaker are a part of, and uh, like every other character, he got a lore video that you guys can check out. I've linked to down below as well. Um, but it was interesting because it was like a little different than what we've seen before. It was like had an anime style instead of the CGI, and uh, it was like pretty sleek. I was into it. Like I would love to see some more, like Overwatch anime like that. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Um, it's always fun to see the bad guys win in this sort of like promo video. Yeah, like he was whooping ass, man. Like he was taking out um. Tracer and Genji and Winston and someone else, right? I think it might have just been the three of them, but I don't remember. Okay. But yeah, he was like going hard and uh it was it was pretty cool. I, I was definitely into it. So I'm I'm excited to see what Doomfist is gonna have to offer for us, you know? 
Yeah, um, he seems super fun. It's like, will he be a uh, Ana and totally like take over the entire meta, or is he going to be an Oriso and be largely not played? <laughs> we'll have to see. He's got to be on the Ana side though, so they can be like fifty-fifty on new heroes because Sombra also sucks. Oh yeah, I forgot she sucks too. That's how much she sucks. And I literally forget she exists all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like no one ever plays her. <laughs> I certainly don't. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I, I played her, like, once when she came out and was just like, nope, not for me. So, I think I think Doomfist looks really awesome. I mean, I, I don't play Overwatch, but um, I have played Overwatch. And it just, you know, whatever. I liked it, but I didn't buy it. And um, I, I want to get you in on it so bad one day. It's just like, come on, man. You're a Blizzard boy. Come play with us. Wait, you liked it, and you didn't buy it and just leave it wrapped on your shelf? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so I bought it, I bought it for PS4, that I left wrapped on my shelf, uh, I bought it when it came out, and then I gave it to my brother, um, but I played it on PC when it was a free weekend, I guess, and sure. uh, I played it with my friends, and it was really awesome, I thought it was a really good game, but f- despite that, I wasn't inspired to pick it up, and, um, I guess that's because I just, I, I don't know, I play a lot of other things, uh, but it's a good game. And this um, origin story video is awesome. Uh, I love seeing Blizzard do things like this. Every time they make any kind of cinematic for Warcraft or stuff like this for Overwatch or um, even the character introduction videos for uh, Heroes of the Storm, they're always really high quality. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this looks really cool. Everyone's been excited about this character. He's, what, the 25th hero, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, and this this is really cool. So I'm excited for people who play Overwatch to get access to this character. Yeah, man, we've been like waiting for him literally since the very beginning. You know, like it was every time it was like, oh, there's a new hero coming, like, or there's it's gonna be time for a new hero soon. Everyone was like, it's gonna be Doomfist. It's gotta be Doomfist. We've been waiting for him since the beginning. <laughs> That's cool. So it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be really cool to finally see him get in the fray. And uh, hey, who knows? Maybe he'll eventually make his way to heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god. Alright. Doomfist in Heroes. I can't wait. He he could literally just play like Vi from League. You know? Just dash in with the punch, uppercut, yep. hit him with the rockets when they try to run away. Could be good. So our last item on the news list today is gonna bring us into our meat and potatoes, I guess, slash spitball, as Andy called it last week. Uh, which is Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy has had the biggest single platform launch of the year in the UK. So, according to the UK numbers company Chart Track, Crash beat out the previous record holder, Horizon Zero Dawn, and uh, is actually the second biggest physical launch overall, sitting only behind Ghost Recon Wildlands, which was a multi-platform release. So, huge, huge opening weekend for Crash, uh, which is awesome, shattering a ton of expectation. That's great. I think uh, I think this kind of game, uh, you know, games that are that are. Old school games that are making their return and getting redone, that's kind of in vogue right now. Uh, I think a lot of people who played them before, like us, want to play them again. And uh, Crash is a character that, honestly, I'm surprised he stayed in the PS1 era. I mean, there were some, like, PS2 games, but I don't think those were mainline entries in the series. I mean, they were, but Naughty Dog stopped making it. Activision got the rights, and it was kind of like, I think Sony, yeah, Sony sold him to Activision, and that was like it, you know? Gotcha. So, it's it's very strange that Sony didn't choose to kind of go with Crash as their mascot, especially because of how well-received those games were at the time. I mean, he was insanely popular for a while. There's that, I forget what the name of it is, but uh, Andy might be able to help me out on this, but there's like a a weird like test that they do like every year where it's like they gauge what characters and iconography are like most identifiable with like children and people around the world and stuff. And there was a year where Crash was number one, you know, like he was beat out Mickey Mouse. There you go. Uh, So it's very, very strange that he did not become their mascot. I've always wanted Crash to return. When PlayStation All-Stars came out, Crash was the number one most requested character, and he did not get put in the game. So I don't know what, what's going on with that, why he's not utilized more, but hopefully this leads to more Crash stuff in the future. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seemed like it was a bit of a rights issue. I'm hoping it seems as though Sony and Activision are, are maybe working out some kind of a deal there now, and like they're getting to you know both play ball together, which makes sense. I mean, Sony's like... 
been kind of fostering a relationship with them for a while now between like getting all that exclusive destiny content and you know um a lot of other stuff from activision so i guess maybe that partnership finally made sense i know like the main reason crash and spyro weren't in um playstation all-stars was just a rights issue which is unfortunate um but that point actually brings us into our meat and potatoes which is with the success of crash and you know the recent announcement of the shadow of colossus uh getting this kind of ground up remake how do you guys feel about this trend of like slavishly recreating games while also kind of updating them and modernizing them in a little bit you know these these remakes that are existing to capture the experience or like the the spirit of these original games but make them palatable to modern players and not have to be like such a big crazy adjustment for players that want that nostalgia trip backwards I really have a belief that a lot of those games of the PS1 era, though, have aged particularly badly. Yeah, I agree. And that's a shame because, like, there's some cool games there. And I never played Crash, but I'd like to, you know, give the Insane Trilogy a try. Um, like, I've played maybe three games of, or three levels of a Crash game in my life. We were a Nintendo family even when we didn't have a Nintendo. <laughs> Yeah, man, I mean, this is, like, a great way to do it, you know? Yeah. It's 40 bucks, all three games, like, lovingly recreated. I can't wait for the, like, the gritty reboot where it's a third-person cover shooter starring Crash, rated M, sorry, with uh, <laughs> Danny Trejo as the voice of Crash. Crash and Daxter. So, I, I think this is a good trend. I like that they do this. A lot of these games are games from, you know... Uh, my, you know, my early years as a gamer, games that I spent all summer playing, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's definitely cool to see them uh, making a return. And I like the fact that young people who, or or, or maybe not so young people like Andy, who um, didn't get the chance to really play these games, now have the opportunity in a way that's not going to be, you know, annoying because the controllers maybe weren't so great at that time. Or, or, you know, different things like that. So you're getting to play the game in a, in, a, in a modern sense. And I think that's really awesome. As far as games that they, they could uh, remake... Yeah, that was going to be my next question, was what, what are games you, that you guys think, like, could benefit from that treatment? Right. Because my number one answer is Spyro. Like, that's what I want to see next. I hope that the Crash trilogy uh, sells well enough that they're like, obviously the next step is Spyro. You know, Spyro was, like, Sony's number two mascot... They always kind of had a kindred relationship between those two series. Like, it seems like a no-brainer. Well, that's that's one of the ones I was going to say, so there you go. Oh, great. Yeah, were you a big Spyro guy, too? Nope. Uh, <laughs> I actually hated it, but I recognize that it's very popular, so I think it makes total sure. sense that people would want that, and they should do it, because people want it. Yeah, I always actually preferred Spyro to the Crash games. Um, and I love them both, but yeah, I, w I would love a Spyro trilogy. I would love to see... Um... Now that Microsoft and Nintendo are, like, buddying up again, I'd love to see them work out a way to do, like, a Donkey Kong 64 remaster. That would be cool. Yeah, that's a game that I think could definitely benefit from it. Because, like, I don't really think we need a new 3D Donkey Kong Country game. No. I don't really know if there's an audience for that. I mean, maybe, but I think that would be that would be cool. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I, I would love to see Super Mario 64 get that treatment. Ooh, you know, yeah. like fix fix the camera and like put it in Odyssey graphics. Like that would be fucking amazing. I would love that. Holy shit. I mean we got it with like the Zelda games on the N sixty four. I don't know I don't know if it's outside the realm of possibility. I don't think it is, but I think like I don't know, I think the doing it with the Zelda games, especially like they like outsourced that and it wasn't like the resource intensity that doing it for a, a proper switch release would be, I think, to make it like Odyssey level, yeah, that's fair. But I don't know, man. They could hire Blue Point. Like Blue Point did that. That's like their thing. Like that's as a studio, they literally like remake and port games. Like they did the Uncharted collection. They're working with Sony again on the Shadow of the Colossus remake. I could see them pulling it off. That's a worth worthwhile outs outsource job. I'm sure that would sell well. Yeah, I think it would. Um, I don't know, like what the price point would be for it though. Is the only thing. Like, I don't know if... Is that, yeah. I'd buy it at 40. I don't know if I'd buy it at 60, and I don't know if it would be worth it for them to launch at 40. I don't know, man. I mean, it's working for Crash, and that's three games, you know? True. So what do you what do you think, Sean? What other games from that era, like, are you itching for 
a re-release of like this. Or not a re-release. That's probably the wrong word for it. Uh, like a remake. So uh, the biggest one that, that I've been looking forward to that's already announced is Final Fantasy VII. Uh, because I've never played that game. That's like so weird too because they're like actually changing it. Like they're changing the way it plays and everything. Yeah, so uh, that soured my interest because I would like to just play the original game without any without any weird changes. But I'll still buy it probably just because I've never played it at all. Uh, other than that, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. This isn't the kind of thing that I really am good at. I can't really say what I would like to see. I can only tell you when it happens, whether I want it or not. Like I think about <laughs> Star Fox, right? Like Star Fox 64, one of my favorite games of all time. I don't, I'm not itching for them to remake it. I'd like just a new Star Fox. You know, I don't, I don't care for them to remake it. And if you asked me, well, should they make remake the original Crash series before they did it? I would have said no, just make a new one. So I can't. Oh, see, like. In this case, I actually feel the opposite of that. I feel like Crash is the perfect series because, like, I don't really feel like there's a market for a new Crash game as much as there is, like, this because, like you said, like, it's nostalgic. Yeah, but like I said, for me, I'm not, I'm, I can't, I'm not good at this. I can't tell you what I think they should remake because my mind is always like, no, just make the new game. But then when it happens and it's good, like this one is. Oh, that's awesome. I'm happy to see it, but I, I can't speculate. Well, how about, I, how about I, I, I frame the question this way, then? What are some games from that PS1 and 64 era that you really liked that you'd like to, to like, play again? You know? But, like, with, with, like, just better graphics. Maybe, like, cleaner controls. Um, the, the only one that comes to mind is the Spider-Man game. The original Spider-Man game for the PS1. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but even then, it's like I'm I'm so ready for Spider Man for PS4. Yeah, that you don't need yeah. that. You know, you know what I think would be cool. I don't think they'd ever do it, but if they did, uh, like a Smash collection, that'd be fun. Like just same feel for the N64 game, but you could swap between old school and like new graphics. I see. I have no interest in that because we have Smash Four, and Smash Four is such a superior game to Smash One that I would just be annoyed playing it. Like, I actually played Smash 1, a f- like, two months ago on emulator, and it was horrible. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, it's wonky or whatever, but I think it's, it's fun to go back and fuck around with it every once in a while if you have access to it, you know? Like, I think uh, at a 4th of July party last year, we had, like, a little... Oh, we played, like, a Smash- lot of that last year. We, we, it was, like, a little tournament, you know, because it was, like, my buddy had an N64 hooked up in his basement, and we were like, oh, fuck yeah. And it's like, yeah, like it's blocky and old school, but like it's fun to revisit those games every once in a while. And like people definitely still like to go back and play Melee, so it would be cool if it was like a all-in-one disc kind of situation where you could go through, you know, each game or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess. Um, it's interesting, Sean, that you said you're excited for the Final Fantasy VII remake because as someone who's played like not a ton of Final Fantasy VII, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about it. Because I don't know how I feel about Final Fantasy VII. Like, I don't care for the story or the characters very much. Mm. But it's got a lot of, like, really cool RPG systems built into it. And them keeping the story and the characters but ditching the RPG systems is weird. But I also really liked Final Fantasy XV. Right. So that's kind of the thing. So because I never played the game, I have no, I have no relationship to any of that stuff and you're a big rpg guy and i am too to a certain extent uh but i guess for me i want to experience the story because i've always heard about how great it is so that's kind of the selling point for me and it's it's a selling point for me with any rpg uh i don't play them for the systems i play them for the story and so because i've heard such great things i would like to to have that experience um but you're right in that they did remove a lot of the stuff that that made it a great game. That doesn't mean it can't be a great game now. This different version, but I, but I, I I agree with you. I'm excited for the story. I guess. Yeah, I get that, and I am excited to play more around with the Final Fantasy 15 battle system because I did like that quite a bit. That was a lot of fun for me. That was like yeah. one of the big things that game did right, even though the story was kind of a mess. Yeah. You ever see those, like, Dragon's Lair games back in the day that were basically a series of quick-time events with Don Bluth animations? Yeah, the FMVs kind of thing. like, quasi-FMV. It'd be interesting, not good, but, like, I'm just kicking (laughs) ideas around here. 
interesting to see him do like Final Fantasy VI or Chrono Trigger or one of those like anime esque pixel art RPGs in that style and just like cook it up to look like an anime. Huh. I can see that being cool. Yeah. The only other example I, I thought of that was something kind of like that was I, I think, um, and it would be a shame because I think the original pixel art is so good, but I think uh, like the Earthbound slash Mother series could definitely benefit from like a all-on-one disc collection kind of thing with maybe like updated 3D graphics for like a new generation, you know? Maybe with, you know, the Final Fantasy fifteen battle system. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe, you know, like, I, I would like to keep it turn-based, but I feel like if they wanted to, like, you know, make some of the systems a little less, this is a Super Nintendo game, you know, like, make it a little bit more, like, I don't want to say hand-holdy, but for lack of a better term, like, hand-holdy, like, just explain things a little bit better. Yeah. Um, that's Earthbound's big flaws, it doesn't explain things. Right. So, I can see them, I like, that's kind of the thing they did with the Insanity Collection, is, like, they kept all the original things of Crash, but, like, told you how to do stuff, you know, and, like, didn't make you, like, have as much trial and error, which is, like, good and bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, like, one thing I always think of, too, that I think would be cool, but will never happen because of license issues, is I would love to see, like, a good remaster collection of some of the, like, early to mid-2000s, like, goofy arcade sports games that like flocked on the ps2 you know like an nba street collection mm. or like a tony hawk collection or something that Yo, was like i'd be about that all all the best stuff remastered in one pack like they tried to do that with that tony hawk game but it was shitty because the team they had making those games sucked. yeah I, I think people people would flock to play a um def jam fight for new york uh, remaster. Oh shit! Yeah, that would definitely be a good one. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a series that people thought was really gonna explode because that particular game was extremely popular, and then they released one for the PS3 and it flopped, and it just wasn't it yeah. wasn't the same. But Def Jam Fight for New York definitely is a game that I think if they brought brought it up, uh, brought it back, remastered, maybe added a ca- a couple of new characters. Yeah, add some like modern rappers. Right. Uh, but but then you know if you again you know, like if you if you do add a, a bunch of characters it's it, does it become a new game I don't know but I think I think just on the premise of what we're talking about I think Def Jam Fight for New York is a game that people might really like to see yeah no I mean I think that's a perfect example of what we're talking about though right like I don't think that there's necessarily a market for like a new Def Jam game like I feel like that would get a reaction of like why though. Like, that series is so dormant, there was only one good one, and the other one sucked, or whatever. But if you're like, nope, we're bringing back the OG Def Jam, like, it's the one you remember, and everything's here, and then, like, oh, also there's DLC characters. Like, it'd be a lot like, um, that Street Fighter 2 port, you know, that they did on Switch, where it's like, oh, it's, like, got the new graphics, but it also has the old graphics, and there's two new characters. It's like, alright, yeah, but I can fuck but, with that. But the difference is that Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2 is one of the greatest games of all time and they've they always remake street fighter 2 are you telling me that jeff jam fight for new york is not one of the greatest games ever made uh, yes that is actually <laughs> what i'm telling you uh all right guys you heard it here first sean hating on def jam hey i like it wow, <laughs> I, thought, sean. I thought it was really fun it was cool to beat people up with fat joe <laughs> It's a pinnacle fighting game experience. Ooh, speaking of, like, B-list fighting game experiences, if, like, the property was still relevant at all, I think video game technology has finally caught up to the point where we could do a celebrity deathmatch game and not have it be the hot mess it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely not relevant anymore, but that would like be so Like, if MTV funny. still made celebrity deathmatch... Which, like, I feel like the idea behind that is sort of evergreen, so they could, like, bring it back yeah. whenever. I feel like they talked about doing it. Like, I feel like that would be such a good YouTube series. They did bring back Celebrity Deathmatch at some point. Uh, I, I remember watching it, but it, it wasn't... I don't think it was recent or anything, but they did bring it back mm. and it had different voice actors for the two uh, main guys. And it was a different art style. That's what turned me off. Yeah, see, like, that's the thing. I think if they really brought back, like, a true review to that show, like, for the web and, like, had it 
you know, modern celebrities and everything, like, yeah, that would work just as well today. So, yeah, yeah to Andy's point, I think you could you could make a celebrity deathmatch video game at any point. Because as long as it has Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, you know, those people, like, people will buy it just to beat the shit out of them. Like, honest to God, I'm looking at the, like, the roster on this list now, and, like, a lot of the, or the roster on the 2003 Celebrity Deathmatch PS2 game. Right, uh, yeah. A lot of these characters are, like, still relevant, and I'd still enjoy, like, Mr. T, every member of NSYNC, Ron Jeremy, Busta Rhymes, Carmen Electra, Carrot Top, Dennis Rodman... (laughs) Jerry Springer, Marilyn Manson, Frankenstein's monster. It's like they get out all kinds of like, you know, like, like you said, we had uh, Kanye West, Kim K. We get like uh, Jay Beavs in there. Yeah. Uh, Miley you know, like, Cyrus. Yeah that, yeah, that would totally work. Miley Cyrus's f- final ability is a wrecking ball. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah. And that's, like, a, a game you could easily pump out good DLC for, too. You know, like, every couple months throw out a pack of new celebrities or whatever. <laughs> can can the Comics Pals get in that game? Are we... Yes! <laughs> and, and the Video Game Pals, for that matter. The whole Pals Network. Yeah, fuck yeah. Alright, so I don't think we're gonna get any better than Def Jam Fight for New York and Celebrity Deathmatch Remastered. Including so. the Comics Pals. Yes, with the Comics Pals DLC. Alright, so I think that's a perfect place to wrap up episode 11 of the Video Game Pals. If you guys like this video and you're over on YouTube, please make sure you like it, share it with a friend, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're an audio listener, like it on your platform of choice or drop over on iTunes where you can give us a sweet six-star rating. Help us get out of that five-star rut. Uh, (laughs) and then if you want to connect with us anywhere else on social media you can follow our sister show at the comics pals on instagram twitter uh follow us on facebook um send us an email at the comics pals at gmail.com you can get a random question of the week or a buy or sell meat potatoes topic whatever you want comment on any of the news we'll read it on the air and uh if you want to connect with any of us individually you can find our twitter handles down below with the rest of the news items that we discussed this week And we'll catch you guys on episode 12 of the Video Game Pals. Take care, guys. Adios, amigos.